On today's episode of Orange Juice Optional, we are going to be talking about fears and how fears can sometimes become an irrational fear, and that is sometimes rooted in anxiety. Yikes, this intro is stressing me out, so let's just jump into the episode. Why, hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Orange Juice Optional. It's me, Michelle, and I'm here with Suzanne. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Michelle. How are you today? I'm in a spunky mood today. I'm doing pretty oh, well. How about well, your mood? Is it good? <laughs> it's it's on the edge of good. Oh, no. Just, that could yeah. be bad for all of us here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I just, I'm at the, you know, I'm at the end of a remodel project that I've talked about several times that just will never go away. I'm convinced this remodel project will never end. And so when I think about it, I get edgy, but otherwise I feel pretty good. Okay, well, pause for just a moment and tell me one thing that is sparking joy in your life right now. Well, my pantry, <laughs> my butler's pantry, I'm just chomping at the bit to for them to finish it up so I can move into it because I told someone the other day I could put up a cot and live in there. I love the room so much. And it is, and it's, and it's exactly what I envisioned. Okay. Well, for us who don't know what a butler pantry is, do you want to explain? Yes. And I think maybe we've talked about this, but it was a laundry room off my kitchen, which I hated because it be, kind of became a dumping ground for dirty clothes. And, you know, the door was always open and I just never liked having a laundry room off my kitchen. So I, right. So I was inspired. It's like, I'm taking this all out and I need more kitchen storage anyway. So I'm going to create a butler's pantry, which is basically miniature second kitchen. Some butler's pantries go all out and they put second sets of appliances in the butler's pantry. So basically the real work, if you're entertaining, gets done in the butler's pantry. So your kitchen stays clean. The kitchen that everyone looks at stays clean. Oh, that's um, brilliant. It is. I, of course, I'm not doing that because <laughs> I don't really cook. So you cater. I know. I, yeah. And, but I love my dishes and I love, and I love setting a beautiful table. I love displaying my dishes. And so I created just a storage butler's pantry that is beautiful. So every time I walk in, I get happy and I can't wait to move my dishes into it. And, and there will be enough storage in there that I can store everything that's in my little tiny pantry food wise in the butler's pantry. And it just makes me very happy. It okay. Well, very happy. I want you to mentally go to that happy place <laughs> and visualize it anytime you start to feel a little bit cranky because we have an episode here we need to record and I want you in a good mood. Okay, I'll do my best. Okay, well, with that, let's move on to our first segment. So today, Suzanne, I would like to talk about fear, irrational fear, and anxiety. And the reason this topic is so fresh in my mind is because I had an experience yesterday 
that I hope to never have again, but now I've blown it up into this ginormous problem and it's kind Mm. of pausing me. It's kind of terrifying me a little where I want to change up my routine, which I don't really think is fair based on one experience. Okay. Well, I can't wait to hear. I already actually, you've hinted at what the experience was. And I have a similar experience that happened about 10 years ago that I will share with you. And I will tell you how I dealt with it after you tell us the story. Okay. I would love that because Rob and I are very routine people. Actually, let me cross that out. I'm a routine person. My dogs are routine animals. And so every morning when I get out of bed, we take them for a walk. Uh Now we've done this walk 365 times because I've had them at least a year. So I know we've, we've done this walk numerous times. On occasion while walking, we will see a single coyote run by. We see uh-huh. lots of rabbits. We see quail, roadrunner, all like the desert animals. The other day we saw two bobcats, which that was something new. Mm. But it's never scared me. I'm from Alaska. I, I live where there are bears and moose and other really big things to be worried about. Mm-hmm. So when we were walking the dogs yesterday, we were down in this little area that's a little bit off road. Like you can see the sidewalk and the road from it, but it's kind of back in a desert landscape. And all of a sudden, one coyote appears, two coyotes appear, Uh-oh. and damned if a third one doesn't appear. And I'm walking with my husband. I'm with my two dogs who are completely oblivious to the danger around us. They're just frolicking, having fun, stopping to smell everything. And I'm like, we got to pick up the pace. Well, it didn't matter if we picked up this the pace because those coyotes, I wouldn't say they were stalking us, but they laid claim to their territory and we couldn't get back to our house unless we passed them. Mm. And in addition to that, they were staring us down and I was super uncomfortable. I didn't have a phone with me. Like Rob, do one of us need to run up there and get the car and come back down? I don't know what to do. And every time I look back at them, they were staring at us and it was super, super frightening. And again, no way to protect ourselves. I didn't have my mace with me. I I have a loud voice. I could have started screaming, but probably would have just terrified the dogs more. And it really was kind of like they were pushing us closer and closer to the road, which I don't want my dogs next to the road either. So it was just very terrifying in that moment. And the only situation or anything I've seen like that was in the movie Beauty and the Beast. Uh I know it's a crazy thing, but that's what was flashing through my mind is they surrounded and attacked. And I was so frightened. Eventually a car did come by. We stopped the car and he said, well, follow us up. And when he got to where the coyotes were, because they were on both sides of the road, just uh-huh. standing there watching us, they they beeped their horn and then the coyotes ran off. That's all it took. But it was terrifying. I'm sorry that that happened. I know. I'm sorry it happened too, because now I'm super fearful of going for a walk with my dogs. And I said to my husband this morning, first thing when I got up, how are we going to deal with this today? What's our approach going to be? (laughs) Because it's fresh in my mind. Right. Okay. So lessons learned from the experience. Let's start there. So always have your phone with you, correct? Always have the phone with me, but I run out of hand. So now I'm going to have to walk with like a backpack or something because I have like 
or a well, pocket. You know, I wear short shorts when I walk. No, I have my workout <laughs> shorts on. There's a little pocket which holds the the garage door mm-hmm. opener, which now I have to close every time I leave the house because we have these right. toads that I have an irrational fear of. And right. like the dog pooping bags, their leashes, mm-hmm. all of that. So, right. Okay. So, so you know this about me. You know that I have an exit plan wherever I go. Whatever I do, the first thing I do is make sure I have my exit plan in case of an emergency. And I would say in case of emergency, this, you should have an exit plan. Okay, so what are we going to do? And I, so I think this is a really valuable learning experience, like what you did wrong, what you could do differently, what you should do in the future. And you may need to adapt, well, you're, you will have to adapt how you walk with your dogs based on this experience. So in the future, you have an exit plan. You know what to do. And number one would be carry a phone, get a fanny pack or get longer shorts, you know, bike shorts that have a pocket for the phone or something. So, you know, you have that backpack isn't a bad idea either, because another thing is to leash the dogs if you need to. And exactly. your dogs are so well trained, they don't really need leashes. But in an emergency situation, you should have leashes with you and leash the dogs. So you're controlling where the dogs are going. Right. And I want to just throw out there, we're not irresponsible dog owners. The dogs do have collars on them and they are tone trained. So like they're very well trained. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, I I did want to imply that you were responsible dog owners. No, but. I just am going to say when I walk the dogs and it's just me, they're always on a leash and under my control because I have fears with my husband. Right. He is so confident in their behavior that they don't always. Mm-hmm. So, But it doesn't hurt to have leashes just in case I you agree. need an, emer- an emergency exit plan. That's all I'm saying. No, so, great idea. So I think you have to turn this fearful experience into a learning experience. And so moving forward, here's what you're going to do in case of an emergency. It's my exit plan. It's And I call it an exit plan. I don't know if it's necessarily an exit plan. And I'll tell you, this was probably eight or 10 years ago when Jeff and I owned another home in Cave Creek before we bought this one. And I was out for my morning walk, very similar. I didn't have dogs, but very similar situation. I was coming back from my long walk. I was exhausted because it was a, it was a beautiful morning, longer walk than usual. You know, too much information. But anyway, the route I took back, there was one way to get back to my house without backtracking and going back the way I came, which was going to add a significant amount of time. So because I was tired, I went one way. Well, it was baby season for javelina. And I was on the street and probably about a hundred yards ahead of me was a pack of javelina with their babies fighting, (laughs) very angry. And, and first of all, you we both know you never walk up on a, any animal that's with a baby because that's usually when they're the most dangerous. And so I was stranded and I was like, gosh, darn it. I do not have the energy to walk 
backtrack and walk all the way back around to get to the other way to get to my house, but I could not get past these javelina. And so (laughs) I walked up to the nearest house and I rang the doorbell. And fortunately, this very kind gentleman saw the javelina and he said, hop in my car, I'll take you home. And he drove me home. (laughs) I was so grateful to him. And he was in my neighborhood. He was, you know, probably 75 years old. So I trusted him and I was in a desperate situation and he drove me home. And that's how I got out of my situation. But they were mean Havelina because they were protecting their young and they were fighting amongst themselves. And there were probably 20 of them total because Havelinas run in very large packs. So anyway, so I can really relate to your situation because it is, it's terrifying when you're, you feel trapped. And who would have thought that you leave Alaska with those big animals that you've always been taught to watch out for? You come to the desert and you're just not in tune to that yet. You quickly become in tuned, but Mm -hmm. you're not there yet. So how did you adapt your walks after that? Well, I never took that path, that route back to my house. I always looked for a way where I had two options to get back to my house without having to backtrack. And and it was a very simple solution. I just hadn't thought of it up until up until that point because I hadn't needed to think about it. And so when I got home that day, I went outside and I kind of surveyed the landscape and it's like, okay, so how else can I get back to my house without coming that direction? without having to backtrack, came up with two really good alternatives and much more publicly used routes. So I wasn't alone. And I was alone alone because <laughs> Jeff was out of town and we had just bought this house. So I didn't really know a lot of people to call. <laughs> exactly. Like, okay, so am I calling 911 to get help? That seems a little excessive. And fortunately, the neighbor was home and he drove me home. Well, that worked out wonderfully for you. And I'm so happy the neighbor was there to assist you. And I do thank you for all your suggestions moving forward to help me feel secure. I know that in the moment, it probably sounded like I was pushing back at them. Like, I can't bring my phone because of this or my dogs are Mm -hmm. well behaved. So... I really appreciate that because I still want to live my life. I don't want to live my life from a place of fear. I want to live it from a place of being prepared. And what you said, yeah, totally, totally morphs into that. And my dad, he always lives life to be prepared too. And so he's gotten all of us ladies in his family mace to carry with us. So I could very easily carry that in my hand also. It's quick Mm -hmm. release. And maybe that works with coyotes. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and yeah, I don't know if it works or not. The other thing that I think is a little extreme, but we have, we have done it on this property with Havelina is I keep a BB gun by my front door. It looks like a shotgun or a rifle. I don't know the difference. And we have shot BB guns at Havelina because they can be very aggressive. They they have walked right up to our front door in this house. 
and they can be very aggressive and, you know, maybe a little BB gun to carry with you. Well, I'm just going to say somebody's carrying something with him. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. If you're with Rob, he's a better shot anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he's a rifleman. So. But isn't it true that javelina, if you poke at one or disturb one, mm -hmm. they come back with more? Yes. Or they make a they make a squeal that brings in. They don't even have to leave and get more. They make a squeal that bring in more javelina, which I didn't know until recently. I didn't realize that. But um, did you witness it? No, I didn't. We have we have shot at BB guns, let's be clear, at Havelina, and they usually take off and and they don't come back. And so I don't know if that's folklore that they bring in more of the pack or if that just wasn't what we experienced. Right. And I know ravens or blackbirds they do the same thing like crows they they will bring more more friends with them and so mm -hmm. ugh, yuck i don't even like yeah. that but you know this whole incident with the the coyotes had me thinking about life and how fear can become irrational fear like fear in the moment where your body is completely engaged with what's going on like your heartbeat is going faster you're looking for exit strategy mm -hmm. you're you're fearful in that moment you're gonna do fight or flight you know you're trying to go through all that i think it becomes irrational fear when it stunts you from doing those things you would normally do one place said that let's see if i can find the the quote here that it's not a quote but it just said that irrational fear is when there's no actual threat that exists and it's uh, when you have fears of fictional future situations, because I took that moment of fear and in my mind it's become, they're gonna surround me, they're gonna kill my dogs and they're gonna bite me. And it's gonna happen every time we go out, which is not true. I mean, I've seen them right. once. So now in my mind, every time I go out, I'm uh -huh. in a potential dangerous situation. I go back to, you have to make it a learning experience. I can't say that I haven't had the same irrational fears, but the best way to overcome them is make the experience learning experience and be prepared. And so when it happens, you know what to do next time. And I always say that to my kids when they're in that sort of a situation, I, well, at least you know what to do next time. And they hate it when I say that. Fear and anxiety, they really go hand in hand. And I was curious. And so I looked up the difference between fear and anxiety. And the definition that I found, I felt really described the difference well. So I found this at batonrougebehavioral.com. And it says, fear is an intense biological response to immediate danger while anxiety is an emotion regarding things we think may happen. And uh -huh. I have a lot of anxiety then in my life. And I live my life with a lot of anxiety. I, I'm surprised some days I can even walk out the front door. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> well, there's medication for that. 
I know there is. And I've done really good lately to be mindful and kind of work through those things. But I don't know if something's just heightened right now, but that with the coyotes. Mm -hmm. And then the other day, we had a friend in town. Again, we were getting ready to go walk the dogs. And there was, and it's 630 in the morning, and there's this lone female in overalls walking around the neighborhood. And what got Rob's attention is she was carrying like a Circle K cup and she just discarded it into someone else's yard. Just no care for wow your littering or anything. So wow. of course, when she walks by, she's very nice. Hi, how are you? And we're like, we're fine. She's like, where's the cemetery? Like, what a weird question to ask mm. at 6.30 in the morning. So my anxiety immediately goes to, she just marked the house up the street. They're going to come mm -hmm. rob it. There's going to be an issue. And again, that becomes an irrational fear based on my anxiety. And it's like, stop, mm -hmm. just stop. You got to get control of this. Well, I agree with you. You have to, because you, at least you're recognizing what is irrational and what is real. And so, yeah, if you just take pause and stop and think about it, you can talk yourself out of that irrational fear. You can. You step into mindfulness and just kind of ground yourself and think, okay, what's the reality of the situation? And walk mm -hmm. through it that way rather than just stepping into the fear and mm -hmm. being alert. And, you know, it'll probably take me a little while to go on that walk where I'm not alert or in a heightened sense of awareness. But that's okay. <laughs> that, it is. That's, that's part a, of the lesson, right? Right. And that's totally different than uh, being stunted by your behavior because of the fear. And being alert and being aware is the learning part of the lesson. And I think that's very rational. We'll say that if my husband were out of town right now, I would not be walking the dogs down there by myself. I would find another location. I would be changing up my routine and that might be irrational. Good solution. That's not irrational. That's you a don't good think solution. so? No, not at all. I think that's a good solution. I absolutely think that's a great solution. Even though change. I'm letting my fear change my routine, even though it's probably so. not going to happen again so. or every day. I know. <laughs> so, so, I mean, think about it. So what? So what if you change your routine? So what if you change the path? So what? If you feel more secure in your walk, then change the path. Change the routine. Makes no difference. Yeah, You're being way too hard on yourself. <laughs> well, I'm just recognizing a pattern right now overall. I mean, come on, right. Suzanne. I'm terrified of toads right now. Like, I'm faster than them. I just... No, they're not going to okay. get my house, but they could hurt my dogs. And so just that off chance that my dog comes across one and licks it, it could die. So now I have this irrational fear. And it is irrational, the toads. I do overreact mm -hmm. when I see one. <laughs> but right. there, there will be nothing I can do to save those dogs if they lick one because they're deadly. But cross that bridge when you come to it because the likelihood, and I think that's the way you talk yourself down out of that irrational fear. It's like, okay, I'm going to cross that bridge when I come to it. In the unlikely chance that your dog actually goes up to a frog and licks it, then you deal with it. So true. So why let anxiety, worry, or fear steal my joy in the moment? Right. Just change your routine if that's what you need to do. 
Yeah. And there's steps even with the frog I can take, like before I let the dogs out, I go and I walk around the yard to make sure I don't see anything. And then always closing doors and garage doors so nothing can jump in. So I am, as you said, coming up with a plan to help deal with my fear. And thank you for helping me realize that I'm doing better than I thought. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. Well, do you have anything else you want to share about fear or how to make an exit strategy or how to deal with it? I stand by my exit strategy wherever I go and whatever I do. It's a smart move. And it's what works for me, whether it's artificial, whether it's a false sense of security, it's what works for me. And I love that. And it has brought me peace today. And the next time I walk my dogs and I have huge backpack on my back, like I'm going to climb Mount Everest, I'll take a picture. (laughs) I'm going to be really prepared. But I think you could do it with a fanny pack. I think you don't need a big backpack. I think you can put everything you need into a little fanny pack and be perfectly prepared. Fanny packs fashionable? No, I'm kidding. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter. If you're out on a walk, you think a backpack (laughs) is fashionable? (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay, well, let's move on to closing. Okay, everyone, we are back. And I know all the listeners are out there thinking that I have slacked on my duty when it comes to choosing a book for October. So let me quickly tell you what happened. We have put it out on the social media what the book is, but it wasn't announced in the last episode because... Well, it actually was announced, but I changed my mind on the book. So I have lovely editors. We edited out all that about the book I was going to choose, and now I can choose a new one. So are you ready for it, Suzanne? I'm ready. Okay. After reading the Pulitzer Prize winning book Trusts by Hernan Diaz last month and being a little overwhelmed and thinking I need a little mind candy this month, I did pick a New York Times bestseller. The book is by Anne Patchett. Have you ever read her? Oh my God. I've read it all. I've read all of her books. I love her. She's one of my favorite authors. Okay. Can you throw out a couple books she might've written? I was actually going to mention this book recently when we talked about trust, because it reminded me of a book of hers, The Patron Saint of Liars. And not that the theme was similar to trust, but it was a book about a liar. And And it's like how we felt as the reader trying to trust the the admitted liar in the book. One of my all-time favorite books. I think Bel Canto is another one of her books. Loved Bel Canto. Lake, oh, what is it? It's not Lake House. Um, It's State of Wonder, one of her books. I think State of Wonder, loved State of Wonder. Um, So anyway, I know several of her books. Awesome. Well, I hope you haven't read this book yet. None of the ones you mentioned really are the book we're going to read, except it does have the word lake in it. But the book is called Tom Lake. And again, it's by Ann Patchett. Uh And the reason I chose it is because I loved the synopsis they wrote about it. Oh, so share it with us. Okay. This is, again, from the book. It says, in the spring of 2020, 
Lara's three daughters returned to the family orchard in northern Michigan. While picking cherries, they begged their mom to tell them the story of Peter Duke, a famous actor with whom she shared both a stage and a romance years before at a theater company called Tom Lake. As Lara recalls her past, her daughters examined their own lives and relationships with their mother and are forced to reconsider the world and everything they thought they knew. Which sounds so much fun to read that. But then it goes on to talk about how this book brings to light that your parents have a past before your kids exist. And mm-hmm. it's about family dynamics and everything like that. And I thought it would be a wonderful book for the month of October. I love it because, like I said, one of my favorite authors and will. And I actually already have it because I meant to read it and I have just haven't gotten to it yet. But I was correct. She wrote Bel Canto. She wrote Patron Saint of Liars. She wrote she wrote Run, which I've also read. Um, there's another one that she wrote. Oh, The Dutch House, which I loved. So, yeah, she has, like I said, she's a favorite author of mine. Well, you, will, you will enjoy her writing. I feel that I might have hit this ball out of the ballpark then. I think so. Okay. I'm excited. Well, let's hope so. Let's an easier read, an entertaining read, one about family dynamics, all my favorite things. I know I kept calling her Lara, but it's probably Laura how you pronounce it. It just freaks me out when the U's not in mm-hmm. there. So pronounce it in your mind however you want. And after I start listening to the audiobook, I'll know how they pronounce it. So that's the gift of the audiobook right there. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. Okay, and with that, one more announcement. We will not be having an episode next week, which the release date would have been Tuesday, October 17th. Suzanne will be traveling. We have a lot going Mm -hmm. on, but we will be back on 1024 with another fun episode. And then, of course, book club on 1031. Yay. So with all that shared, I'm going to go ahead and give you something to sip on, and it is related to our topic today. So here we go. I wonder all of the things we miss out on when we stay in our comfort zones, when we stay safe, when we don't take that chance that could change everything by Ashley Hetherington. And that's your something to sip on. I love it. That's a great one. Yeah, me too. Until next week, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.